Well, amen. It's good to, uh, good to be in church. Amen. It's hot outside. <laughs> My wife and I, we were driving around the church property yesterday. We've been trying to figure out that playground out there. And um, I said, I wonder how hot it is. And I turned on the phone and looked at Hattiesburg and 104 degrees. And then I said, it, maybe there's something wrong with the phone. And I punched a little button on the car, 104 degrees. And uh, it's not too much different than that. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm kind of like Brother Jeremiah. This kind of heat, my voice kind of tends to die down, kind of like Donald Duck a little bit. So if you get to thinking I'm, uh, somebody's trying to cut in on me, it, it's not that, it's just me. But aren't you glad for your Bible tonight? And all, so many things that change, and uh, at my age, I've seen a lot, a lot more change than many of you in here tonight. I am the Lord, I change not, amen? And uh, what he said in the beginning, from cover to cover in this book, we're going to find out when we get to heaven, it would be good to find it out now, wouldn't it, Amen? That's why God calls men to preach, men to teach, and God uses his people, and God wants to use you, amen? And uh, i tell you what, I, God has given me something to preach. I'm so thankful. If you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. <clears throat> anyway, I'm, I appreciate that. I'm uh, uh, always kind of a shy person and uh, was in business with a company years and years ago and did a lot of stuff and traveled all over the southeast. And, and, uh, but, you know, uh, preaching's different than that. You know, in meetings that we would hold, and I was at the, at the head of the, uh, uh, the boardroom sitting there, and it was my job to, to talk and, and uh, for people to listen. It's kind of different at church, isn't it? You, gotta, you kind of almost got to beg people to listen to the Word of God today, but I know you're not that way. And if you're here tonight, uh, this evening, on, a, on a, such a hot, hot evening, I think you come to get something. And I think if you'll be patient, I, pray, I believe that you will get something tonight. Um, let me say this is the first time that I've been behind the pulpit since our summer's ended and all the camps up there at Carson, and we had a great time this summer. We appreciate Central coming up for the camps they did, and we appreciate those that helped us in the camps that we did. We had a great time. Matter of fact, the last camp that we did, we kind of call it the open camp. Any kid can come from anywhere. We had a, had a great camp. Brother, uh, uh, Brother Kurt was with us at that camp and uh, had, had, uh, had good work. It was just really great. It's kind of funny. I'll tell you this, and I'll, I'll read the Scripture. Um, Brother Jeremiah having been uh, with us there all the years that we started the camp. I think he was about 15 when we started. And we did camps three, three years before that over in seminary. So I guess that put him about 12, somewhere in that neighborhood when we got started. Uh, but people say when they come onto the property, when they come up to cut grass or do something like that, it's just kind of uh, so-so every day. But when they come up and then camp starts, it's kind of like the, the place just transforms into something just really, really neat. And uh, right now it's not transformed. So... Um, if anybody wants to come up and cut grass, we'll let you swim in the swimming pool free. And uh, we'll also, if you want to come up there and vacuum the swimming pools, both of them need it, we'll let you swim free. Uh, matter of fact, you can swim half a day if you'll vacuum for an hour. We'll work some kind of deal out for that. But uh, the water's still pretty up there, and we appreciate uh, uh, the church being a blessing with us and that and all the people that came up and helped. First um, Samuel chapter 30. Let's stand if you would. And the Bible says, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, and smitten Ziglag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein, and they slew not any, either great or small, but he carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. 
and David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons, for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now towards the end of the chapter, two verses, verse 18, And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them, David recovered all. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to you. We thank you for this opportunity to come and share the word of God. I thank you for the burden that you've placed upon my heart. And Father, we thank you for these folks that came out tonight. And I pray, God, that you just uh, help us all tonight. Lord, we just need a, uh, an awakening in the day that we live. Thank you for this book that never changes. I pray, God, your Holy Spirit would go up and down the roads and would park right here with me. And Lord, show me what I need to say. Again, thank you for the burden. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the work here of Brother Jeremiah and his family. We praise you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Jeremiah mentioned a little bit this morning. He kept getting over into kind of where my burden was. But over in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the whole armor of God. And it mentions the evil day. The evil day that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. King David was right in the middle of an evil day. Probably one of the worst days up until this time of his life that he had experienced. And uh, uh, it was an evil time. I was thinking as I began to read here, and I read through this passage many times and have preached out of here many times, and this always uh, gets my attention when I read about what happened here, David's plight, his, the men's plight, and then what David did. And I was thinking about Job. You know, you can't help but think about something bad happening without thinking about Job. My wife was in the hospital for over a month back years ago uh, in 02, and uh, for, uh, she was just really, really bad sick. And I remember I read through the whole book of Job. I wanted to find something in there uh, that would register my heart and my mind uh, that would help me so I could be a blessing to my wife and my family. And I've noticed in the book of Job, there's three verses in the first two chapters that begin like this. They begin with, and there was a day, and there was a day. Kind of an ominous beginning to three verses there in the first two chapters. And what followed was a relenting evil that came upon Job and his family. And most of you know the story of what happened. I was speaking with my wife earlier, and uh, I believe that she will agree that her and I, that we have experienced two evil days in our lifetime. I mean, days that... Uh, uh, things that happen, experience the unexpected, the unbelievable, and, uh, and deadly, if you will. Nobody died, but uh, I think we would have felt better if somebody had died. And I didn't ask God to die. I didn't want to die. I wanted to get through it. But it's just awful times. And you here tonight, you may have experienced something like that. And it's, it's a horrible thing to go through this evil day that the Bible uh, talks about. And as we look at this and think about it and try to paint a picture of what we're seeing here this safe haven city uh, that David had, and they came upon it, and I'm sure they saw smoke <clears throat> billing up from maybe what was left there in the city, <clears throat> and their attention was stirred, and they probably rode a little bit faster on their horses, and then when they got there, there was not a soul in sight. Nothing. Nobody. No bodies. Live or dead. And I can, you can imagine how they felt, 
And uh, what is seen there, uh, the Bible says, is 600 men that they lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And I'm thinking about <clears throat> just a few times in my life, maybe those two times, to where my weeping was, was uncontrollable. I never thought there'd be a day like that in my life. I never thought there'd be anything happen in my life that would cause me to be in that type of condition to where all you could do was cry because there was nothing you could do about the situation. I mean, it was, it was awful. It was horrible. So as we look at the scene here of these 600 men, they lifted up their voice. I mean, they were not just weeping over in the corner somewhere. They were just crying out with agony uh, because what had happened. And they didn't know exactly how this was going to turn out. So we see the scene there that they lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And verse 6 says, all the people was grieved. I heard from some of the old preachers years ago, particularly A.W. Tozer, and he says as he studied the Bible and he began to come on as a preacher and a Bible, uh, Bible student that he would look up words in the Bible to find out what they mean. You know, the New Testament taking it back to the Greek and then the Old Testament taking it back to the Hebrew. And so I, I do that when I, as I'm studying. Um, many words I understand and I know, but the word grieved here in this passage, it means to trickle, to trickle. You know, a trickle of water, to trickle in, and it also means to make bitter, to make bitter. We understand that term bitter, to trickle in and make bitter. Uh, as this began to sink in, what had happened, and then all of a sudden, uh, through their grief, and this trickle in of this bitterness, the Bible says in verse 6, the people spake of stoning him. Wow. Isn't that awful? 600 men that had followed him all over the place, and, and I know all of them were not, uh, uh, were, were not uh, believers. Um, some of them were, were very uh, 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 tough men, hard men. But they spake of stoning him. And I can imagine David walking through the camp. And looking around and seeing the people. Two guys over here, half a dozen over here, some over there trying to get some, uh, some uh, uh, shelter from the sun and maybe what's left of a building, and they're whispering. They're whispering. He did this. He led us here. We ought to kill him. I'm just trying to give you a picture of what's going on here. As he looked there, his friends and his fellow soldiers, this whispering, they spake of stoning him because he was a courageous man doing his job. Can I say that again? Because he was a courageous man doing his job. Amen? Anointed of God, called, doing his job. And everybody wanted to stone him. Kind of like Job, right? What was his crime? He was like David, a man after God's own heart, praying for his family down at the altar when all this happened caught him by surprise. Here this evening, the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God in verse 6. I don't know if you've ever had an evil day. Some of you have. Um, if you haven't, you probably will. I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe some of you are young Christians here this is not home. This is not home. The world's against God. And if you're God's child, the world's going against, to be against you. The world wants us to conform. And God says, don't conform. 
God says, keep looking up. God says, stay in the book. God says, let me make you what I want to make you so I can use you. And God's trying to wash us up and clean us uh, on our way to heaven. So when we get to heaven, God can say, here, here's, here's what I gave you, and here's what you did with it, and here's the dividend that was made. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? So here's what I want to preach on tonight. This evil day, there's forces out there that are working. Just because we live in the United States of America and you can drive an automobile and, and have air conditioning and air conditioning in the house and all these neat things, all that will stop just like that. At an instant. could happen any moment. And I'm not trying to scare you, but it could. You see what happened with COVID, the supply chain interruption? It could be just like that. And there's forces. Here's a verse in verse 12 in Ephesians chapter 6, and I'll preach the message. The Bible says these forces that are out there working, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. I want to preach tonight on standing in the evil day. That's what David did, standing in the evil day. And that's exactly what he did. You have to excuse me, it is so dry. That's good water. The Bible said that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And so tonight, if you've been here, you've had an evil day, all you can do is beg God. All you can do is beg God and hope that it passes soon. The two instances of my wife and myself and our family, one of them took years. And then the second one took years. And... That was an awful thing to live through, but I won't get into that. So let's go ahead and look at the message. Standing in the evil day. And friend, I want to tell you, if you don't think there's some things out there that goes bump in the dark that, 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 wants, to, <laughs> that wants to rake you over the coals and wants to do you in, listen, you're just the person Satan's looking for. And he works. And he works in the invisible. And he's there. I can't see God. I can't see Satan, but I know they're both real. And I know what Satan has done to this world. And I know what he does to people. And so let's look at this. I want to give you three things. Preachers always preach usually three things. So I've got three things I want to pull out of here and give you tonight to try to be a blessing and try to encourage you and also encourage myself. I want you to notice with King David here what was going on here and what he had. The Bible says that first off that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So we see first off uh, standing in the, evil, in the evil day is our relationship with Christ. I mean, it's priceless. You know, it didn't cost me anything to get saved. I remember back uh, when I was 17 years old, and, and uh, I was scared. I, every time the invitation would, would come up in the little country church we were in, I would, uh, when everybody would bow their heads, I'd usually use that opportunity to ease out the back door. I didn't want to be there during the invitation because, hey, God was trying to get me, and I had everybody fooled that he'd already got me. But he hadn't. I had not surrendered my life to him. So we see here relationship with Christ. David had that relationship with the Lord his God. David knew the Lord, and the Lord knew David. Amen? I ask people sometimes, do you know the Lord? And uh, uh, they'll say yes. And then sometimes I'll say, uh, does the Lord know you, right? says his sheep hear his voice, and uh, he knows them, and they follow him. And so David here, he fell down, and just like the other guys, I'm sure that he was weeping and, and, and brokenhearted, and now all this on top of it that, you know, everybody's against me. All my friends are against me. You ever been alone? I mean, really alone? 
It don't take long in this world to be alone and for people to turn on you. Well, here's David. He was all alone. And what he had was, though, his relationship with Christ. In Acts 13, 22, it, it repeats what was said about David over in the book of Samuel when the Lord was calling David. And here's what it says. And when he had removed him, talking about King Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony. Here's God talking about David. God giving testimony about David. And I'm sure God has some things to say about you and I. Amen. It's on the record. And he said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So here David is. He got down on his knees and he prayed to God and, and he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Folks, I'm going to tell you, uh, there was a time uh, in those two episodes in my life, in my family's life, that's all I had was my relationship with God. And I want to tell you, and that was shaky. What do you mean shaky? Well, I, I just kept crying. I kept weakening. I, I was just horribly discouraged. I couldn't believe what was going on. I mean, it was awful. It shouldn't have been happening. Why is this happening? But it was happening. It was an evil day. I don't know what God was trying to do to my family. I don't know what God, I'm sorry, that Satan was trying to do to my family. I don't know what Satan was trying uh, to do to me personally. He was trying to get us to quit. He was trying to get us to go off and, and get out of this any way that we can to stop us. But it was real. So we see here with David, his relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, that's the most important relationship in your life. And that will see you through. I know we live in a day that, that, that most everything's phony, amen. I, I don't wear a hairpiece, and uh, my wife said I look pretty good without it. And so, uh, you know, when I came in, that wind outside, when it was blowing up, my hair was over here this way and that way. And uh, <clears throat> that's just a joke. But we live in a day to where, you know, who, who really are we, right? Who is your neighbor? Who's the guy sitting across the pew? Uh, can you trust them? I mean, who are they? Will they be there for you when you, when you have a problem, Amen. But David's relationship with Jesus, he knew the Lord and the Lord knew him. And God gave testimony. He, was, he said, he's a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. David placed his trust in God. You know, I'd like to know David's story. I know Psalms 40 is one of my, my favorite psalms. The first few verses that he waited patiently, the Lord, and, and, and the Lord inclined unto him and brought him up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Boy, I like him. Set his feet on the rock. Amen. I was talking to a preacher the other day, and I said, you know, you can fall, and you can get down flat, and you can get on the bottom. And like one preacher said one time, when you get there on the bottom, you know, you can't fall any farther. You can't fall past your salvation. You can't fall past that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, there's, there's comfort there. And God will bring you through that because Jesus is real, and God's real. And when we have relationship we have a, 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 a place that we can encourage ourselves. So we see here his relationship with Christ. And i like to say to you here tonight, you may have a lot of things. You may be smart. You may be able to sing. Amen. I can't do nothing like that. Uh, I have physical gifts. I'm, I'm smart in building. I can build stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a, a halfway good judge of character. Amen. And... Uh, 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 but the most important thing that you can have is a relationship with Jesus. Because all your friends may leave you one day. You may be like David one day. What a horrible bunch of friends he had, amen? I know they were hurting, but he was hurting too. So he went to Jesus. So that evil day, you can prepare for that evil day. 
You can nurture your relationship with Christ because God saved you and saved me for a purpose, amen, for a holy purpose. Paul said that's all he wanted to do. I want to, uh, I want to get what God saved me for. And he, he, he worked on that pursuit, and, and he had obstacle. Can't you imagine how many evil days Paul had? Could you imagine being out there bobbing up and down like a cork out in the sea uh, for a day and a half and say, wow, man, well, I guess this was it, you know? I mean, it's just me and the fishes out here. And lo and behold, some boat comes by and picks him up, and he gets another start again. So first thing, standing in the evil day is our relationship with Christ. you got to have it, folks. Listen, you got to have it. It's real. And I want, I want to tell everybody here tonight, you got to have that above everything. And I want to tell you something. God will change your heart. He'll make you somebody that you never thought you may be. If you're not very nice, God will make you nice. Hey, I, I can't say if you're ugly, he'll make you pretty. But he may teach you, show you how to comb your hair a better way, maybe how to dress up a little bit better, something like that. Some of you boys could use that, maybe a haircut, some of you, stuff like that. Uh, but God, hey, if, if, if you give God a half a chance, he will change who you are. Because when you get saved, that's a new creature. In there. Amen? But many people, we don't let that new creature live. So number one, relationship with Christ. We see that here with David, and that's what we ha got to have. And not just that evil day, but all the time. Second thing I want you to notice, and this is real interesting, and a lot of times we don't think about this. You know when bad times come, you know a lot of us, we just think about the bad time. I don't like a bad time. Amen? I like to be happy. I don't always feel happy. I'm not always happy towards my wife, but I always want my wife to be happy towards me, right? Ain't that right, man? We're the head of the house. We, uh, boy, that didn't go over too good. Uh, <laughs> amen. Uh, amen. Um, the second thing we see here, I want you to notice this, the battlefield. The battlefield of trial. We don't like to be tried. We don't like to be tried. I never liked tests. I'm probably one of the few people in the state of Mississippi got a driver's license without ever taking a test, didn't take a driver's test, didn't take a written test. Guy says, can you drive? I said, yeah. He says, you know all these questions? Yeah, I need to check them off to me. He said, here, uh, don't come back. <laughs> the battlefield, what's this? The second thing is the battlefield of trial. I'm sure you've thought about this. I've heard it preached. I've heard uh, Brother Jeremiah mention, allude to this many times and. And if you've been preaching very long, you're going to allude to it. If, and, 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 and lay person out there, you're going to figure this out. You're going to talk to other people about it, and you're going to figure it out. The battlefield of trial. We're built in the heat of the battle. We're built in the heat of the battle. James 1-2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. I've never seen that on a, on a, on a greeting card. I, I never have. It's not one of those verses that it's not even one that we like to hear, right? I mean, we quote it sometimes. We can say it to other people. We can say it to ourselves. We can read it. My brethren counted all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. We're built in the heat of the battle. I want to give you a quick definition of temptation. Temptation is not just something when we see something that, that is illicit that we want to have. And, and, and then that lust within us began to be drawn by what we see, amen? Temptation is a putting to proof. We're given a test. Temptation is a putting to proof to find out what we're made of. I, I still today, uh, when I walk around and, and when I sit up, I try to sit up straight. And I try to walk. When I walk, I, I've, I've seen, I've watched my dad over the years 
and, and my wife's dad, he's fixing to turn 90. Wow. And my wife's dad used to be, you know, up here like 6'2", about Jeremiah's height. And I'd look up to him, and, and yes, sir, I still call him Mr. Myers, by the way. I never, I met him when I was about 11, went to work for him when I was 12, and I still call him Mr. Myers. And I see him today, and I finally got taller than he is. He's about right here. <laughs> Fixing me 90 years old, and he's still going uh, with a wheelchair. He don't sit in it. He just walks with it. He just pushes along the way like a bulldozer. And uh, he called us the other day. I parked, our, uh, parked a golf cart underneath the girl's cabin uh, rooftop, and he called my wife the other day, and he said, there's, there's a vehicle parked out there in front of the girls' cabins. I said, oh, my God. I said, what, what color? He said, it's white. So I called one of my preacher friends up. I said, can you go down to the camp and see who that is out there? I thought it was him because he kind of helps us with the pool sometimes. And he got out there, and he says, Brother Jack, he says, there's not a vehicle out there. Um, that's your golf cart. And so, you know, his eyesight. So here he is, and I realize as you get older, you know, whatever age that is. I don't know what, what age it is, that when, which you would call old. And I've watched him, and he's kind of just shrunk down like this. And all this is about the point is I try to stand up straight, fellas. I, I never made six foot. Jeremiah did. I never did. I got to five, ten and a half. Well, what I'm trying to show you is here, putting the proof. It's not just looking like a man. It's not just standing up straight. And I, I like the good, clean-cut haircuts. Amen? And that says something about a person. But it's uh, uh, God say, wanting to find out what we're about. How much do I trust God here? Did you hear me? Not at home, on the couch, in the air conditioning. How much do I trust God here? I'm having a time. I'm having a problem. I'm in a trial. I don't like this. I mean, I'm in a hot spot. I'm losing my friends. They're wanting to kill me, by the way. The battlefield of trial. The Bible says, count it all joy. Verse 3 in James 1 says this. It says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You know what that means? It means it produces endurance. Produces endurance. I know what physical endurance is. I like to endure. Uh, I don't mind the heat too much. Now, right now, you know, I'd probably try to find some shade if I had something to do. And uh, um, I, like, I like to endure. I like to know, you know, my whole life. And I've taught my, my boys that way. Uh, hey, this, this is what we got to do. Let's get it done. Let's get out there. And, uh, you know, we drink water and we do all the safety stuff and stuff like that. But this thing about it, I like to know that I can. Ouch. I like to know that I can. Don't you? I, I like to know that I could if I had to. And God is saying here uh, in these verses, and we see this with, with David, and he had been through so much of this, the battlefield of trial. And it's the battle that builds us. And temptation is a putting to proof. How much do I trust God right here? The trying of your faith worketh patience. It produces patience. And that patience is waiting. And by the way, I read the end of the story already. David waited. God blessed and he waited. And he got everything back here. Um, a lot of us don't like to wait. We want it now. Right? We want it now. Blaming others for our distress is a poor way to grow our faith. Can I say that again? I know you don't do that, right? I do. My grandkids do. Not really we want to, right? But my grandkids really do. One of them can walk by the other one, and uh, Ben's getting kicked out of that <laughs> 
one of them can walk by the other. I don't know if yours have done this or not. It's probably the Andrew's blood in them. And they'll bump into something, maybe fall down or get hurt or walk by the pool. And, and the other grandkid ain't even touching them. And they'll turn around and say, why would you do that? I mean, they did it to themselves. But we like to blame other people. I mean, that's human. There's nothing divine about that, right? Well, what's God trying to do here? Blaming others. We see this with David's men. The trying of our faith worketh patience. It produces endurance. God wants us to be able to endure. You tell people you're a Christian and you fall at the first thing and you go back to the old ways in your life and old habits and you use cuss words and you get angry. All you're doing is just proving you don't belong to God. And I do the same thing. God will teach us this thing about being nice, won't he? Amen. Come on, boys. Right? About being nice. So there's something being produced here, but it's produced in the battlefield of the trial, in the heat of the battle. And the Bible says to count it all joy. I can't got to the point where I can be excited about a big, bad problem. But I can't, I tell you what I have learned to do. If I find out what this Bible says about the problem and pursue that direction, it'll keep me going. And I think that's the beginning of wisdom when we find that out. So the battlefield here of trial, and we see here that his men, they wanted to blame him for the distress they were in. Blaming others for our distress is a poor way to grow our faith. I don't know about you, but you know what these politicians do, and people, people, and they're just people, right? It's kind of like the worst they can make the other guy look. It's supposed to make them look better. I mean, what kind of character is that, really? Amen? I mean, you ever heard of merit? Your own merit? I mean, what are you worth? And so God is trying to show us, hey, we got a weak spot here. This is what you're worth. How much faith? How, much, how willing are you to trust me like David? So the first thing we got is relationship with Christ. And that's obvious, of course. Are you born again? Are you born again? Have you built that relationship? To where you can go to God in your deepest, darkest trial and trust him. Number two, the battlefield of trial. This is how God builds us as Christians. And then number three is testimony. Everybody has one. Everybody has one. His testimony, what he witnessed God do along the way. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, there's little things like, you know, when we were kids jumping a, jumping a mud puddle. You know, well, I can jump this mud puddle oh I can jump that mud puddle and we really didn't care about mother we wanted to fall in anyway but it's just kind of you know uh, well what's God what's God gonna do what's God gonna do his testimony what he witnessed God do all along the way I got a few verses here you know the story about David and uh, when when him and Saul were were on uh, on good terms together before Saul just chased him all over the country trying to kill him and uh, uh, Saul couldn't kill uh, David because God had appointed him to be the next king David would not kill Saul because he was a man of character and he was God's anointed and if Saul was going to die uh, it's going to have to be by somebody else's hands than his amen there's a lot of principles there but we don't have time to, to run that down tonight so his his testimony what he witnessed God do all along the way so here's the verses 1 Samuel 17 34 let me read just a few of them and David said unto Saul thy servant kept his father's sheep now David's fixing to go up against Goliath David uh uh Saul's looking at David and says, you know, son, I just don't think you can make it. I'd be like this little Clark boy right here, uh, going to go up against Kenneth Clark out there. And you put the two of them together and say, man, they just, uh, you know, unless you got some kind of superpowers, you're, you're done for, kid. 
And so, so here's Saul looking at David, and David's trying to convince him and what God has done for him, what he witnessed God do all along the way, his testimony. And he said, There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, this big nine-foot-nine-inch giant out there that's cussing God's people and say, Send me a man, but nobody was man enough to go out there. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, like the lion and like the bear that David killed and took the lamb out of their mouth. And Saul, um, and David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, watch this, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. So here's David. The Philistine had an armor bearer that went before him with a shield. Amen? Now, he was probably a big, fat, you know, eat, all the, he was probably a horrible out of shape. And this little guy that goes ahead of him with the shield like that and uh, that carried his armor and stuff like that. And so here this guy is, and he sees this little runt David there. And uh, David is saying to Saul, and here's the lesson, his testimony, because of the lion and because of the bear that God delivered me out of them. Now, I don't know about you boys. I wouldn't want to go up against the lion, you know, and I'm a grown man, been grown for a long time. I wouldn't want to go up against the bear. I mean, you can have it, amen. I, uh, uh, if there's any bears around my house, I'd either kill them or I'd move across somewhere else. And so here, here, here's, the, here's his testimony. He watched God. I'd like to challenge you boys here. The, the hardest thing that God wants you to do, step out and trust God to do it. Begin somewhere. You may fall on your face, but it, learn to trust God. Learn, listen, learn to build a testimony for what God will do. So here's what David did. He rehearsed in his mind all the things that God had done for him. And God did. I mean, some of these things were impossible things. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever done anything impossible in your life? How do you feel about that? You feel like you might want to do it again? Would you tell somebody that God did something impossible? That's the only kind of things God does is impossible. He expects us to do the rest of it. And I'll show you this in the close. So we see here his testimony that he's looking back at what God had done. And it would be hard to believe. Imagine David coming home and telling his dad, said, Dad, guess what happened today, man? I killed a lion and it was going to scarf and off of one of the lambs. And, and I took him by the beard and I cut his throat. And then a bear, the same thing. And you know, Dad's looking and says, man, I don't know about this kid. He can spend some yarns, but boy, I tell you what, he's for real. But he was, he was rehearsing what God had done, what he witnessed God do all along the way. So what has God done because we did all we could and then stood? You know, over going back to Ephesians 6, the Bible says, having done all, stand. I don't want to belabor this tonight, but I feel like myself and most everybody in here that claims the shed blood of Christ on your sins, we can do a lot better than we're doing. Say, Ooh, I don't like that. Well, I don't like it either, but you know what? It's very likely the truth for most of us that are in here. Let God begin to build our testimony of what he wants to do in those tough things. Amen. We go to war every day in how we live our life and people watching, lost world watching us, other weak Christians watching us and how we take on problems. Do we begin to blame other people? Or we just stick with the Bible? Well, how does God say handle this? 
you know, if, if, if God's letting it happen, you know, God's looking down from do you Does anybody believe God looks down from heaven and sees what's going on? Ever thought about that? I mean, God's watching, right? You have heard what Jesus said, uh, that we're going to be held accountable for every idle word. Boy, we're in trouble, right? He sees everything that goes on, everything. And there's a calculation there with God. If we're in God's will, we want to honor God, that God will not allow anything, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13, I believe it is, any, any temptation overcome us, he'll provide a way to escape. It, to escape. That God's looking down from heaven. Does anybody believe that tonight? I'm not going to go to you and raise your hand. I'll just raise mine. I, I believe that. I, I'm not Superman. I don't have a super faith, but I've seen God do things in my life nobody else could do. They were impossible things. They would not calculate humanly. You couldn't make it come out on a calculator. You couldn't find it out of a book somewhere except this book right here. Our power to overcome David and you and I is his testimony. What he witnessed God do all along the way. So what has God done because we did all we could and then stood and say, God, it's yours now. I don't know about you, I've got a big mouth. I have trouble eating a hot dog, but not that kind of big mouth. It's, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I just, uh, I just finished a series of lessons uh, a few weeks ago on the tongue. Man, there's an un, there's a unending supply <laughs> on the tongue. I want to talk, want, want to tell stuff. What has God done because we did all we could? In Ephesians, again, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. David did all he could. The guys didn't kill him, right? They got to a point there somewhere to where David said, Bring the ephod. Let's have a prayer meeting, right? You ever get in a scrape with anybody and they're, uh, they're, they're, they're causing problems and you can't, Find a solution to problem. Said, okay, uh, fellow Christians, let's get down on our knees and pray. First thing. Y'all look crazy. Let's talk to the one that knows everything. Amen. Let's talk to the one in charge, God himself. So the verse again, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, David stood. Simply put, guys, David stood. David stood. It didn't get too hot. He got down. I believe he got down and, 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 he, and he said, God, I remember what you've done in my life. And God, I love you so much for it. God, I want to be what you want me to be. My whole heart is becoming what you want me to be. And I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to fight the lion. I'm going to fight the bear. I'm going to defend your name. I'm going to go up against Goliath. I'm not going to take Saul's armor. I'm going to take your armor because the battle's yours. And he went up against that big giant and he slew him. The point I keep trying to make in closing about testimony, what has God done because we did all we could then stood and say, God, I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you have it right now. I wonder what our life would be like 
I wonder what our credibility would be like with our grown children. I wonder what our credibility would be like with our teenagers. Amen? If we, if we did all we could. Having done all. And that all is not, is not something physical. It, it, it's that, hey, God, I, I want to live for God. I don't care if it hair lips the world. This is what God said do. This is the right way to do it. And he didn't start yesterday. Somewhere we got to start, right? If we expect God to step in and take care of the rest of it, we got to be willing to do all that we can, as it says in those verses. And folks, we're talking about an evil day here. But you know what? We get practice in everyday stuff, don't we? Amen? I don't know about you. I get in traffic. I get aggravated. I said, man, we came, we, uh, we came back from somewhere the other day. I don't know. We're all over Hattiesburg, and, and uh, we were coming back somewhere. And uh, uh, I was in a truck that didn't have air conditioning. My wife was in the car. I had the windows down. My hair was standing up straight, what little bit I got, you know. And I was just trying to get a breeze from anywhere. And red light after red light. I mean, it's, I mean is this some kind of mad demon, a madman somewhere with a switch, and he sees a guy come along without air conditioning. Oh, let me get it right here. Get it. Let me stop him for five minutes. Let the traffic go that way. That's kind of how I felt. But the Bible says, with David, have it done all. Folks, he did all that he could do. So I would say with our testimony, when we get to the point that we do all that we can do, having, and, and it's not, again, just us physical, it's along what God said. How, well, God said, how do you handle this problem? If I had a problem with Sam, you know what I'd do? Come here, Sam, let's talk. I you to stay there. I'm not hypothetically. I don't have a problem with you. Your parents probably do, but I don't. But <laughs> if I had a problem with Sam, I would, you know, I, hey, when you get older, you get a little privileged, right? Uh, but I'd say, hey, Sam, I've got, a, I've got a problem. And we would talk about the problem, and we'd settle the problem, and we'd go on and do that. Is that what the Bible says? Amen? Does the Bible tell me, hey, I'm going to bring my flamethrower imitation cell phone next week when I see Sam out in the parking lot, and listen, that hair you got's going to be toast, brother, and you're going to look like me, right? <laughs> no, that's not what God says do. Now, I'd like to do that sometimes if... If, if, if I get to the point, I don't handle the, the anger and the stuff that comes up in my heart and mind. So what I'm saying to you here tonight is that once we leave this building and we get back out there in the world to where we work, where we go to school and things like that, there's going to be problems, there's going to be things. But one day, folks, listen to me. There's going to be an evil day. There's going to be an evil day. And you're going to want to look back and say, well, you know what? I've been doing all that I could do. Not perfect, but I've been doing all that God says that I need to be doing. I've been working on it, right? No, not perfect, but working on it. And then I said, well, God, then I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you have it. We've done all. Follow God's instructions. And so let me say this to you in closing. Sunday school, preaching, all of it. Bible reading, all of it's important. I make notes all over the place. And, and I lay my notes down sometimes. I got these little, I call them pocket notes. Uh, years ago, a preacher told me, he says, uh, you get a, good, get a good thought, write it down. Put it in. I've got a drawer full of uh, pocket notes. It's just writing all over the place, and I stick them in the drawer, and that's it, you know. A, a, a good idea, something that God gives me. And I never, go, I never go back and go over the pocket notes and put them in my journal. So here's what I'm trying to say. How much we learn doesn't matter if we don't follow it. 
Oh, I love Sunday school. I love a certain preacher on TV, whatever the case may be. How much we learn doesn't matter if we don't follow it. It's about living it, not about quoting it. See this? That's my sermon. It's my notes. It's not about what's on the paper. It's about what's right here. Learning is wonderful. But doing it is what matters and what counts. And so as we see this with David, this evil day, God teaches us about the evil day. I hope you never have one. I wouldn't wish what happened to me and my wife on anybody. I wouldn't wish what I know has happened to some of you folks in here tonight on anybody. But you know what? Just like with Job, there was a day. It begins three different verses in the first two chapters of Job, and we know what, know what happened to him. So how much we learn doesn't matter if we don't follow it. It's about living it, not about quoting it. And the Bible says in verse 19 that I read in the beginning that David recovered all. David recovered all. In closing, here's the deal. We've got to personally experience it. I mean, we can hear the guy from the pulpit. We can read it in the Bible. We've got to personally experience it. We've got, we got to be in there somewhere in that trial to learn and then get to the point and say, well, you know what? Last time, you know, I didn't do all I could do. Last time, I didn't let God handle it. I took it in my own hands. I did it this way. Shame on me. Well, here's part of my testimony. You know what I'm going to do next time? I'm going to do my best to do better next time and do all that I can do. And then I'm going to prove God. And I'm going to let him have it. And I'm going to see what he does. And I can guarantee you this. One way or the other, you will recover all in your faith. You will grow. God will appreciate you more. God can use you more. You can encourage other people more. And when they see you come out the other side of that trial and you did it God's way, you know what they're going to say? Wow, I'd like to be like that. Not to imitate you, but hey, I'd like to have that walk with God. Amen? Is that not what we want? It's what God wants. So I just leave you with this encouragement that God says plan for that day. We get a little taste of it all along. Our relationship to Jesus. The battle in the trial. And then our testimony. It's kind of like building collateral in the bank. Amen. It's there. You can go draw it. Let's bow our heads. Fathers, we come before you. We, we thank you for all the folks.